Freak Nation, we were talking earlier how we've run the gamut with Sticks members here in the Freak Nation over the last five or six years. JY, Tommy Shaw, Shukerman, so why not? Let's go with your lead singer, Lawrence Gowan, joining us here in the Freak Nation. And Lawrence, by the time this airs, I believe you will have wrapped up your residency at the Venetian in Las Vegas. Let's go back to your days in your 20s. And you, and you think to yourself, why in the hell would we be on the strip? Why would my band be in Las Vegas? Uh, has your mood or your, your opinion changed about Las Vegas versus when you were in your 20s or early 30s? What a fantastic question, because <clears throat> I have to usually point that out to people. In the 1970s, when I started, you know, playing professionally, if you want to call it that, uh, you know, playing clubs in Canada, uh, the idea of playing in Las Vegas was really relegated to kind of show bands and, and kind of, uh, you know, the, the old style of showbiz, which, you know, we now look at as being incredibly classic. But that wasn't the place that rock bands aspired to want to play one day. However, when I joined Styx, which was 24 years ago, and we came here for the very first time, we actually played, I'm, I'm going to point, by the way, this is not my home. I don't. I don't live in a French provincial, uh, like Louis the Fourteenth type of a type of a place. It is gorgeous. I'm looking. I'm looking out the window here. If you look, you can see the International Hotel right there. That's where Elvis played. Like, hang on, I'm screwing that up. There we go. There it is. Um, that's where Elvis played. Um, I think it was 837, as I recall, in the statue sold out. And that's the first place that Sticks ever played in Las Vegas. And it became immediately apparent that rock music, particularly classic rock, now kind of rules the city as far as entertainment goes. And I mean, right now, just up and down the, 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 the strip here, you know, there, there are world-class acts uh, that, that, you know, Adele is playing up the road. And then you know, I, I look and I see Aerosmith are coming in and, you know, every classic band, Def Leppard and, you know, Foreigner are coming here in a couple of weeks. And it's just one after another. Uh, I went across the road last night and saw Love again, you know, the Beatles, Love. And so you realize that, that rock music really, as it became, as it has become the, the great musical statement of the last half of the 20th century, it seems almost natural that it has taken over this, uh, this mecca of entertainment uh, for the world. His name is Lawrence Gowan, lead singer of Styx, as you heard 24 years ago. Uh, he joined Styx, joining us here in the Lucas Oil Studio and the Speed Freaks bits. Uh, Crash of the Crown, of course, was cut prior to COVID. During COVID, was released a couple of years ago. Yeah. Finally, we've got that behind us. Yeah. Are there times when you're out on tour, whether it's in this residency in Vegas or prior to the residency, that you think back and 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 look at yourself and going, "Wow, I'm an old bastard out here still kicking ass." And the fact that I can kick ass with the grandkids of the fans that I had in my twenties. <laughs> you can never second guess old bastards. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> you never know what they're going to come up with. Uh, you know, I, I, stats just, he's just shaking his head. So, but you know, yeah, yeah I, I think oh, wait, so. Lawrence, I'm, I'm cut. I'm sorry to cut you off, but the what you described on the strip only the boomers can afford to see those shows that's why those shows are getting there everybody else if they had a choice there'd be you know different kind of music there but boomers are demanding 
sticks and people like of the Beatles, and uh, they're that's what they can afford. The only people that can afford two hundred and fifty dollars for a seat. Well, that is a, a, a way of looking at it, and uh, that may be that may be true. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's a perspective I perhaps hadn't uh, considered, but there are a lot of younger acts here. I mean, Britney Spears plays here. I can't afford her tickets. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, I mean, Adele is up the road. I mean, if we all scrape together our, 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 our money, we might be able to get standing room for one of us. <laughs> so, I don't know really if that's really uh, all that accurate stat, but you know, you're the stat man, so I'll go with you. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys, like getting back to Kenny's old bastard comment, I mean, you guys are having fun. I think it was an interview, Kenny brought up COVID. I think it was right after we were kind of starting to climb out of COVID that you brought up the fact that the lifeblood of any band is playing and being able to successfully see your audience engaging and having fun with what you're doing. You guys are decades proof of that. Yeah, it's 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 the part of, of music that I think is the most essential. First of all, it is a language, right? We we are communicating in real life when you know when we're face to face, and it's a it's a mysterious language that we really don't fully comprehend why it, it affects us the way that it does, uh, regardless of age or <laughs> income. <laughs> it does have it does have an effect on us that is is the closest thing I think to magic that I've ever really encountered in my life, and and. Uh, to experience music in that manner is the, to me the heightened uh, it's it's the heightened way of of enjoying it. So I love I love the the whole everything that happens at a rock concert. A rock concert is the greatest form of entertainment I've ever encountered in my life. Uh, going to you know the last show I saw before the uh, before 2020 was Elton John, and the first show I saw back mm -hmm. in Genesis. And uh, you know I've been to those shows. I've been to a lot of I go to a lot of metal shows with my with my son because he's big on that and th these are the most visceral experiences that i've ever had as far as entertainment goes so i i can i kind of concur with with audiences and how they enjoy it uh, lawrence gowan lead singer sticks i was listening to crash of the crown dude you got some pipes that's that was a wonderful uh i love that that's not you know to be frank sticks is not my go-to but uh, I I love that. Was the song? Did it come from a climate change point of view, or I noticed there's some you know get along without you kind of stuff, or we'll go to the edge of the world or the edge yeah. of the ocean. But yeah. what what's the genesis of Crash of the Crown? That's a great question, Stan. I think first of all, you know, do you you you. you you call together a group of songs and then you begin to see that there's some sort of underlying theme or underlying thread that, that connects them. I look at Crash of the Crown as an, an album of songs that are, generally speaking, uh, they, they hint at a, a theme of, of renewal after a cataclysmic event. And we found that really curious that we started writing those songs and began recording those songs in, uh, in 2019. And when 2020 happened and, and we were in March and we suddenly got sent home, uh, we didn't really go back to the album for about two or three months. When we listened to it, we were really surprised. It's like so many of these songs are kind of hinting at this sort of cataclysmic thing that will happen, but a, but a spirit of renewal that comes out of it. Well, that's exactly what we're in right now. And we thought, 
that's probably what people could could relate to at this time. And when we finally came back out on the road in 2021 in June in, in America, uh, the album went to number one on Billboard's rock album chart. And so obviously people really, it resonated with them in a, in a very uh, uh, realistic way. I love the images on the video. Uh, it, do, does the band have any say in that or do you turn it over to a producer and you know, are surprised like the rest of us when you see it. Bit of both. First of all, the artwork that's done on the album, I think is really, I, I love it. You know, and that's why it's the big backdrop that we've been using. And I uh, know I met a couple of young guys, again, through my son, the metal guys who uh, <laughs> who do videos and uh, are really good at doing lyric videos, which I, I happen to really enjoy because they're, they're almost like an extension of, of the album cover experience in that you're not, entirely going on on a, uh, on a on a video trip but you're actually it's almost like you're looking at the artwork and, and following the lyrics through in a, in a manner that we used to do when, when you when you'd be holding an album cover so thanks i'm glad you uh, i'm glad you enjoyed them what are album covers dude you garnered yeah. oh yeah place. so <laughs> back, back in the last century <laughs> when, when paper and vinyl were abundant <laughs> It was this experience we had called an album, and it was great. It was actually it was a CD, except it was much bigger. <laughs> and it had two sides. Yeah, it was. We can get together and talk about those days. <laughs> yeah. The needle made it work. <laughs> and a needle. You needed a needle, yes, to make it work. And I want to get back to the, of course, the metal conversation. My <laughs> My eyes were opened up when I was emceeing an event at the Old Sound Warehouse in Dallas where it was Motorhead and Wasp. They had an appearance there, and, of course, many fans show up to get all kinds of things autographed. And one of the provisions was Lemmy got an unlimited – Lemmy, the lead singer of Motorhead, got an unlimited um, – uh, what I say, a limited choice of CDs at the time, and I followed Lemmy into the, and, and I think he still denied it till to his deathbed. Or was I saw him pick up some Journey albums or Journey CDs, and I thought, man, if my metal hero yeah. can listen to Journey, then I can listen to Journey. And listening to you talk about how Slayer comes to your shows and you go to Slayer shows, yeah. I just look at the ignorance that I had as a twenty-something where. Yeah, metalheads can dig ballads like sticks. It's first of all, we were on the bill in Sweden with Motorhead for Sweden Rock, which is a giant, uh, you know, basically metal festival. But we went over fantastic, and even going in, you know, we thought, do we have enough leather and chains to do this gig? <laughs> we didn't really, um, so we wound up wearing our uh, our usual. Um, uh, flamboyant <laughs> 70s type uh, stage clothes, you know, which are kind of uh, unapologetically uh, over the top. Audience, absolutely. I mean, literally, it was us and Motorhead. We were on face to face stages. It's a great festival, the Sweden Rock. And uh, yeah, we, we learned very quickly that a lot of metal people, they can trace a lot of their roots back to a lot of uh, classic rock groups. I have to say, though, Kenny, the, when you said that first, you I sometimes you you suppose what the person is going to say. You you said, and I was really surprised to see that Lemmy picked up some. And when you said I thought you were going to say germs. But anyway, I'm glad you didn't. Journey. Journey. Pick up some journey. 
Oh, thank you. a boy. Wow. It is Las Vegas after all. Uh, yes. I should have a drummer standing by. He was in our studio once and uh, with all the uh, brown alcohol that he <laughs> consumed, I don't think one germ would survive, could have survived in the man's body. He had one person who was in charge of just filling his red cup when he would just raise it. The guy would come running in and fill it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was kind of legendary in a lot of ways. I also thought he was one of the most quotable people in any in interview. I'm sure it went great. Wait a minute. I got, I, Kenny, I got to take the time for this. One of the great sound bites in Speed Freaks history, and we've been doing this, Lawrence, for almost 23 years. He talked about, it was about five years after 9-11, our attack on our being here in America. Right. And he talked about the difference between touring in America before 9-11 and after 9-11. You have some of that experience, I would assume. What is what is your experience? Do you see anything different in America, especially now, maybe after the pandemic? Have things changed uh, in yeah. your uh, assessment when you come to America and see what's going on? Yeah, it, it, yes. Both those events, uh, there was a... a a noticeable, whatever you want to call it, a, a, a palpable, <laughs> noticeable difference in in the whole kind of uh, uh, emotion of the country. I mean, now after nine eleven, of course, it was the both are very different. After nine eleven, we uh, just a couple of months after it happened, we actually got to tour the site because we were mounting um, some uh, charity concerts for. Um, for the victims or the fa the vic the uh, families of the victims, uh, particularly of uh, the New Jersey firefighters that uh, were there, they lost thirty seven uh, people on that day. Um, but we were mounting these these concerts. We we visited the site, and there was a I, as a Canadian, you know, and I, I noticed that there was this steely resolve. In, in America and in, in Americans that, uh, you know, this, however people here perceive the, the value of their freedom, it was not going to be compromised. And I, I was really impressed with that, quite honestly. That's, uh, the first show we did back was an ordeal even to get there because all the, there were no flights. And they, I remember it was, it was a, pl a planes. No, it was no planes. It was just trains and automobiles to actually get to the site. It was in Kansas and the audience was, the emotional re release of that first show was really something to witness, and and I loved that. In a different way, after after the pandemic, this is a great question actually. The, after the pandemic, our first show back, they had staggered the seating at first. This was in June of 2021, where it, they sold every other row, and um, that was a different type of emotion. That was um, that had to do with. A lot of people everywhere had lost someone or seen someone be adversely affected in, in a lot of ways. And everyone was really coming out of a, you know, an, an unknown kind of fear. You know, we, we really didn't know what, what to be afraid of or what, you know, how to, how to kind of, how to measure our, our response. And it was different for everyone. But there was a, um, there were tears, quite honestly, particularly you could see that up front. There were tears in people that had really missed the experience. And, and I, I actually started thinking, 
maybe I haven't wasted all my time on planet Earth just having fun. It actually does affect people in a great way. I just want to be near music every single day. But it, what, when I see what it does to people, and that's part of the answer I was giving you with, with why, why a live concert is so important, uh, it really does lift people's entire being. And I felt that probably more after the, uh, after the pandemic and a different sense after, after 9-11, that was more of, that was more of a, a, a pushback. You know, there was more of a resilience that we're going to, we're going to push back on this. The other one was more of an emotional, oh, we made it, we made it through. There was more of a united feeling of we made it through. That's a great responsibility that the music industry has, you know, to keep people in general just entertained, but keeping them connected to life in general in a nicer way. I, I fully agree. I fully agree. I, I honestly, you, 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 you never to perceive that from the stage is, is, you know, for the most part, you're just perceiving applause, et cetera. But when you really can feel the, that this is a, this is a true exchange of, of, of emotional uplifting vibes you do feel like this is important. And another great testimony, testimony to it is, for example, I used to be really surprised at how many times my doctor wanted to come to shows. And just the other night, just the other night, my, the surgeon that did both my knees, because I had both knees done. <laughs> Bionic man. He was at the show. And I, I would be thinking, you're like a surgeon. You're, these are doctors. These are really important people uh, with, you know, why would they get... And then I begin to realize, no, they need this. They need this release. They need this to kind of to to put some perspective on their on the on the rest of their lives. And music provides that as well. You talk about the way music touches you that you listen to, whether it's Kiss, Country. Yeah. What about writing music mm. and feeling that music in your bones and your brain and every fabric of your body? Is that a different feeling than watching Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons shred versus you sitting behind a piano? Are those feelings different in the appreciation of music? First of all, yeah, they're entirely different. When you're writing something, uh, that can be kind of gut-wrenching, quite honestly. It's a really – that's that's where the work is involved, you know, quite honestly. I find that that uh, the, the writing is – that's that's the most difficult part because you, you're confronted with all this great music and you want to write – you want to come up with something that can in some way be worthy of people's ears and their time. And uh, so there's there's a lot of there's a lot of you know tearing your hair out to a certain degree, and and a, a lot of kind of you know really confronting yourself in the mirror to go is this is this worthy of uh, of of standing up to any sort of longevity? So that's difficult. The great thing I love about being in a band is that you have your best critics right there in the room with you, and they'll say no no that's not it and then suddenly when they say yes that's a good idea and we can we can take that a bit further you feel like you uh you feel like you've done your your, your labor the labor part of music has been has been rewarded just in that moment you know so i know we'll, we'll do a couple of newer songs tonight that um recently we've had you know i can relate to that moment in the room where suddenly the idea was the right one but up until then, it, it can be days of torture before you hit upon something that just really is, is doing what it's supposed to do.